you, reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm the founder of this podcast and of thecuffyclub.com, where you can learn everything you want to know about. Let's call it reinvention, reimagining, rethinking, refocusing, restarting. It doesn't have to be head to toe reinvention. It could be just a tweak in what you're doing to make yourself more focused, to make yourself do better, to make yourself feel better, whatever it is. Reinvention's a big word, but we also use the little words like reimagine, rethink, all of that. And in any case, we're here to provide the inspiration for you from real women and sometimes men who have done it. Because I'm telling you, when I had to reinvent myself after leaving national magazines as editor-in-chief, it was hard. I was all alone. And boy, it sucks being alone. So what's great is you now have this podcast and you have all these wonderful women to show you how to do it. So I hope you will go faster and furiously faster than I ever did. So I am bringing you somebody fantastic today. Her name is Elisa Freud. She is the founder and CEO of She Speaks, one of the country's leading influencer marketing companies. She also hosts the weekly She Speaks podcast and the LinkedIn Live series, Powerhouse Women. Prior to founding She Speaks, Elisa spent 10 years at American Express, where she rose through the ranks to become vice president of global marketing. She holds an MBA from Columbia Business School and has been featured on ABC News, MSNBC, Good Morning America, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, and New York Times. And she's always believed in the power of women as entrepreneurs, consumers, leaders, and as a community. So she launched She She Speaks in 2008 with a mission to amplify women's voices long before the advent of social media and has been hailed as a visionary for her expert intuition in identifying consumer trends and cultural moments. And what you're going to love to learn today is how you can actually 40 plus, doesn't matter how she has the statistics, use social media. I know sometimes you cringe, but you can to create a side hustle. And you should think about this. Again, what I'm saying to you is you don't have to have a big reinvention, but maybe you want to have a side hustle. Maybe it's a side hustle to feel more creative. Maybe it's a side hustle to protect yourself financially against, you know, what could happen in the in the corporate world. Who knows, whatever. Here's the wonderful Elisa Freud. Elisa, so great to see you and have you on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So let's talk a little bit about you and what you're up to, because you had a, I guess we'll call it a a segue reinvention. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk about how you reinvent your attitude towards a side hustle over the age of 40 and what it can do for you. So talk a little bit about your work history um, and how you ended up doing what you do now. Sure. Well, I uh, always tell people I'm kind of what you consider a marathoner. I've only worked two places my entire career. Um, I spent the first part of my career working at American Express, uh, doing marketing. I kind of worked my way around um, the different marketing functions. So advertising and branding and product management and product development, all of all of those things. And I loved it. It was a great place to be. I loved working there. Um, It was a phenomenal experience, but I always had a hankering to be an entrepreneur. And then the question was, okay, what is the thing that I 
I'm going to feel passionately enough about that I'm going to take this leap from a place that I loved working. I mean, I loved, as I said, where I worked. Um, and it took me a little bit of time, especially because I didn't really know a lot of entrepreneurs back then. Um, I, I knew some, um, and I felt that it was really a po uh, really important to understand what the entrepreneurial experience was going to be like. So I got pretty lucky and found a group of women who were informally meeting um, and they were all grad. I went to business school at Columbia um, Business School and I had the opportunity to kind of join their monthly, these informal monthly meetings that um, these women were having who had graduated from Columbia and started their businesses. And they were kind enough to let me sit in as this corporate person listening to them month after month talk about uh, what their businesses were about and the, the positives, the you know, things that were good, the things that were bad. So it gave me a much better sense for entrepreneurship than I had um, being a corporate America person. And uh, I also then got the idea. It allowed me to kind of come up and pressure test a couple of ideas um, and got the idea for my business. I knew I was always very passionate about the women's space um, in particular. Uh, one of the things that kind of drove me crazy uh, being at a at a company as, as big as American Express was that, um, you know, it was... It, always a question. I can't tell you how many task forces I was invited to participate in that were titled "What to Do About Women." Oh <laughs> God! Oh no! Well, you oh. yeah, and, and given your background, Leslie, you probably you know didn't have as much of that because you were in an industry maybe that had more that's of a all it was. Yeah, it was but more of a female focus base, but at American yes. Express, it was at that time, very heavily male um, oriented in terms of who we thought the customer was. The interesting thing was after research, we found out that women were actually the ones making the decisions about which credit card that people- Duh, duh yeah. that was, we used to run around to all these people telling them women were making all the decisions about where money was being spent. Nobody right. knew that. Unbelievable. That's so funny. Yeah. So, so when I kind of uh, got got that intel and <laughs> understood that uh, you know the women's market was just such a huge opportunity, and well-meaning brands um, were getting it wrong. Um, so, as I said, I was on all these task forces, and I can't tell you like smart people saying, "Well, maybe if we make the card pink." Pink. That... Oh God. Oh my God. You're <laughs> making you're wounding me all over again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pink, what was it called? Um, pink, pink and washing. shrink. Pink and shrink. Yeah. Yep. Make it yes. smaller. Pink and shrink, pink washing, all of right. those things. Pink yeah. washing. So, I love it. So it was, um, you know, it was a great eye-opening, you know, experience, if, especially as someone who really uh, was interested in the women's market. And when I launched, so I, I had the idea, um, actually jet lagged in Tokyo on a business trip. I had the idea for She Speaks for the company. And initially when we launched, we were setting out to build the largest online panel of women for research, ah. quantitative and qualitative market research. Uh -huh. And 
that's what we did. I launched, um, I, I was, I built the platform, um, while I was still, um, at, a, at American Express, I, you know, just started working on it and, um, I left and we basically launched in, um, in beta, uh, and it, what happened was it was so interesting. We, we started, we realized that we were getting so many women joining um, and they would tell us on their profiles that they had blogs and I'm going back to 2008. Yeah. Now. Yeah. A blog. I mean, everyone knew what a blog was in 2008. So it wasn't like people didn't right. know what it was, but I don't think anyone ever knew the term influencer back then. No, it was, not it was just starting. I yeah, it was yeah. right. It was this is pre the influencer yeah. phenomenon. Right. And but what we realized is that a lot of the women who were joining to be on our research panel were what you were early day influencers. They, they were bloggers. They and when we we when after about, I don't know, a month and a half, we had 30,000 bloggers who had joined uh, to be a part of our community and they were posting about it. So all of their followers were starting to um, to sign up to be members of our community. And then, of course, being the purest research people we were, we were like, well, we can't have them write on their blogs about these products that we're asking them to test ah, for research. Right. So we kept having to say, hey, listen, we'll put you into this study, but you cannot write about it. You have to, you know, it. you have to agree not to write about it. Hilarious. So then we realized, you know what, maybe there's an opportunity <laughs> to actually market with right. this community when the product's ready, you know, for, right. for shelf and for, you know, for being out and launched. Um, and that's how we evolved. So Fabulous. we started purely research, quantitative, qualitative research, but then pretty quickly started to evolve into um, what we, what you now call influencer marketing. But back then, it was not called that. I can't tell you how many rooms I went into to try to explain to people what a blogger was and why they could be a great marketing partner for right. a brand. Now, do you feel influencer marketing is still strong or where do you feel it's going today in 23? Um, well, influencer marketing is exploding in growth and I'll tell you why. And by growth, I mean budget um, as well as, you know, obviously so many, if you ask kids now, and this is in a study that just came out, the number one thing that kids want to be when they grow up oh, no. is an influencer. Oh, <laughs> it's no. kind of interesting. This is horrible. And I, horrible. That's horrible well, news. Oh my well, God. It's interesting because I will tell you why I don't, Here's the way I view it. I think that the thing about influencers, uh, social media influencers, is that they are entrepreneurs, ultimately. They are building media footprints, right? They have right. these large followings, some of them larger than the you know viewership of a cable TV, yes, cable TV shows, yes, right? A Bravo show, right? right I we right. work with female influencers who have more views of their of their weekly videos right. than the Real Housewives of of you know Orange Anything. County or whatever yeah. on Bravo. Yeah, and and there's power in that. There's real power in that. And what I think these women and this is what I love is that the the industry is eighty six percent female. So wow. 86% of influencers are female, which obviously um, 
is a huge opportunity for women. It gives, I think, women an enormous amount of flexibility because they can build these followings on something that they're passionate about, whether that be fashion, food, whatever it is that they're passionate about, and build a loyal following that they can then monetize. So from that perspective, I love the industry. I think it is giving women an enormous amount of well-deserved power and finally recognizing what kind of influence women have. As we said before, women, we, you and I both know that women were making over 80% of the purchase decisions. Yes, credit card. Yeah. Oh God. Trying to pound that into people's heads was impossible. Yeah. But, but now I think it's it's so much more understood because it's so much more obvious. You can go look at somebody's right. Instagram or TikTok or and see how many followers they have, how many people are engaging with their with whatever content they're putting out. So I think that what that this is a great, potentially a wonderful, industry for women in particular. And that's obviously the, the area of expertise I have is in the women's market. And I think it's, it's giving women a huge opportunity to, um, to build businesses, to build wealth, to build a uh, legacy, all of those things. And um, that is one of the, you know, one of the many reasons that I like it. Now, having said that, I do also think, I will just say the downside for a lot of these yes. female influencers yeah, before we talk about the downside of the influencer industry, I would just want to mention, um, because I have an article that probably will be out by the time this comes out, that's coming out in Fast Company, about the amount of misogyny that's in the influencer industry already. Oh, really? Which Holy there's yeah. a 30% pay gap between men and male influencers what? and females. In influencers? Yes. Oh, yes. for God's sake. Are you kidding me? I'm not, and it's so disturbing given. Oh my that God, this, that's ridiculous. This was built, yeah, and it was built on the backs of, of women, right? This women is, were the the, um, in, the people who really built this industry. And oh my um, God. To go to, you know, to to say that um that there's already a pay gap is 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 that's shocking. Disgraceful. To me. That's it's disgraceful. Um, and, um, and, and putting even uh, like put aside the pay gap, the, um, the hate that women get, the female influencers get the mental toll that this takes on women who do this every day is, is significant. I mean, you, I can't tell you how many influencers I've talked to female creators and influencers who tell me that you have to get, you basically have to get to a point where you can grow a thick skin because it doesn't matter what you post. People are going to say nasty, negative things about what you've said. If you're a mom and you post about right. being a mom and 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 some of your opinions or what you do as a mother, people are going to say you're a terrible mother, right? If you post yes. about if you're if you're somebody who who creates food content, people are going to comment about your weight. They're going to comment about your looks. I mean, it's astonishing what women get comments about, even though their content is not at all related to what people are commenting about. Have so, you examined that compared to men? Is it the same? Is that it different? Is, it is different for men. If I was so talking. I was, yeah, I was just talking to a, a female finance influencer, a woman who has built 
close to a million uh, followers um, over the course of about 10 years. Um, and she's a finance expert. She, she shares money saving tips, how to get out of debt, things like that. Right. And she's, she will be, and she gets a lot of national coverage. And she said that she'll be quoted in the same article as a guy who is also an influencer right. and people will immediately attack her credibility, even though she has four years of experience ridiculous. and more, uh, you know, just more credibility in terms of on paper what who she's helped and what she's done but they do not attack the guy and it's and that's just one example i can't tell you across industries or across topic areas how i've heard that from female influencers well i'll tell you as having been a national magazine editor you do have to grow a thick skin that was always true you're going to get crapped on by there were always people, but they weren't coming at you every day and talking about what you look like. I mean, occasionally, but they mm -hmm. would do it through, they would do it through mail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like right. you moron, why did you say that? So that was always there. It just wasn't the fire hose and it wasn't this kind of insane, you know, you deserve to be dead kind of horrible, awful sort of amped up stuff. Yeah, but that has always been there. So um, I understand some of it, but I don't understand the breakdown between the male and the female. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, that really does. I hate to say it, but I think we are in the last throes of the patriarchy trying to hold on to everything. They yeah. don't want to let go. They don't yeah. want to share. They do not want to share. Well, and th so that is that is like a big downside, I think, for women who work in this industry the upside is what i already mentioned just the um the wealth and the opportunity that it can build for them and for their families um and i would say just quickly on the industry itself <clears throat> in 2015 the influencer industry was a half a billion dollar industry in terms of the amount of budget that was allocated towards the bit the industry this year is projected to be close to 25 billion so wow. it has grown significantly and i'll just kind of quickly say why that is or why i think it's accelerated during covid it accelerated um very quickly and i think the reason is one um the pandemic had everyone home scrolling yes. right yes. um social media rates uh, engagement rates just skyrocketed and uh and so there was a lot more attention right, right. in that in that area which may which means you can build a larger following and you can get more people to see your content Right. which is good for influencers. Right. So there was that. But in addition to that, it's the fact that um, if you are um, a company and I worked for a, a large company and did advertising and, and, and marketing for them, you know, you're, you're used to doing expensive shoots, going and taking people to a location. Oh, yes. Doing, oh, yes. Oh, doing yes. a shoot, right? Yes. Oh, the, yes. It was part of the fun part, you know, one of the fun yes. parts of the job, right? Yeah. Um, but you couldn't do that during during COVID. And but right. brands, especially because social media, every every brand has social media handled, and increasingly right. over COVID, they did. Right. Um, it it you need content. So if right. you have to feed these these channels with content, right? You, where are you going to get it? And right. so influencers, because influencers were getting better and better at creating content and the tools were getting better and better, 
right? So the platforms, all the social apps, had they really invested in, in giving users a much better, uh, much better tools to create content that looked it just looked so much more professional than they did in yes. the early days. And so between the need for brands to get more content, not having their usual outlets to get right. that content, they turned to influencers increasingly. So not only did influencers grow their social following, so from a from an efficiency standpoint, um, a brand could hire a you know, a, a handful or a dozen of influencers and get the same reach they were getting in, in, you know, large scale media opportunities. So there's still, there's obviously the media um, component, but right. in addition, they were getting the content. And right. so those two things together, I think are what fueled the industry and why now you see so many more dollars being put in, into influencer and to content, you know, influencer and content creators, because, um, because of those two things, plus the content is native to social. So everyone's on social, you're going to be much more likely to look at an influencer's ad, so to speak about a brand right. than right. you are just a, you know, a regular ad that you might see. True. So True. the effectiveness is is really strong. True. So here's two questions, and then I want us to quickly get over to talking about um, how women 40 plus can become influencers and the info you have there. But just very quickly, isn't there a huge danger? <laughs> um, we saw all these people build businesses on Facebook, and then the lovely Mark Zuckerberg decided one day, poof, I'm changing the algorithm. And all these people went out of business overnight. What is yeah. the danger? I mean, I've always been very skeptical about building a whole business on some something run by one person. Yeah. Um, that's a great point you're raising. And the way I the way that we talk about this is leasing versus owning or renting versus owning. Mm. So if you're an influencer and, and or you know, content creator, um, you have an Instagram page, let's say, or you have an Instagram handle and people follow you there. Overnight, um, especially towards the beginning of COVID, um, algorithms quickly changed and you lost. 50% of your, right. um, of your reach very, uh, in, in a, literally over, uh, overnight. And so what influencers I think have started to do is a, they have diversified. So you no longer usually see influencers who are doing influencers, creators who do this be, and they've built, you know, a strong following and, and, and community and engagement, they tend to diversify across platforms so that any one platform changing is not going to make or break. The other thing that they do is they have started to create um, there are more and more tools where a you can um, get user you can you, you can build your own email list you can build your own lists so they have they started to focus more on that um, so you'll see people saying subscribe to my Substack or ah uh, so they're moving them off the social media platforms yes they're moving them to different Very places smart. Or, they'll, or they'll launch a podcast and they'll say you know. Um, you know, sign up to get notified when I've got um, a new episode coming out. So they're finding ways to get more direct contact with um, with the people who follow them. And I think the other thing that's happened, though, is that the as the platforms have started to monetize with shopping, 
and, and TikTok just launched their TikTok shop um, as an example, but as the platforms have gotten smarter about monetizing in the shopping component, because we know that people see something, it goes viral, let's say on TikTok and it's sold out, you can't find it anywhere. Right. Um, the, and this happens over and over and over again. So I think that as the platforms have started to realize that, wait a second, if we're like, we're going to, we're going to get benefit if people can in integrate selling commerce opportunities, they are, they are being less, um, they're, they're getting less focused on pulling away um, eyeballs from people who they think are going to be able to sell product because they get a cut of it. Right. So there's a business element there, too, for them, which uh -huh. uh, makes them less likely to just turn things off for, of, in terms of the spigot for the um, for the, you know, for the uh, for the followers. So Who's getting a cut, who's taking a cut? The platforms. So like so the TikTok Instagram shop and TikTok are taking. Yes. A cut? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So if I go out and sell stuff on Instagram and TikTok now, they take a cut. The, if you're doing it through TikTok shop, TikTok oh, shop. Oh, a specific route. Okay. Yeah. And they are, um, the TikTok shop is, um, is, is now a, like the way that people, like a lot of people are monetizing, um, their following and they are, I mean, I, I've heard, I can't tell you how many stories we have heard from influencers who we work with that overnight they have become millionaires because they've been able to finally more properly monetize um, the audience that they've built. And for the time being, TikTok is, is because they've got, you know, a, a, some skin in the game there. They are, they this help is you. They are opt they're optimizing for this. They're optimizing. Interesting. Let's talk about women 40 plus because yeah. you've done all the research. You've got the research. Yeah. Um, let's talk about having a side gig and yeah. uh, you know a side hustle as our kids would call it yeah um talk a little bit about what your research shows there because mm -hmm. i think that's a really when we talk about reinvention a lot of women don't think about starting small right and what you're seeing in your research is that there are people who are actually starting small things online while they're doing another job and That's then right. that might be something that they can segue into later on or can support them if they lose that job. Talk a little bit about your numbers there. Sure. Um, so just quickly, we did a study um, across uh, generations. So we started with Gen Z um, and yeah, it was, it was a 2000 person study. Um, women age 18 to uh, 65 were analyzed for the results of what we're sharing. But we had, um, you know, we had a large group of women who participated in the study across generations. And what we were trying to understand was how is work and how is how we operate operate day-to-day -day evolving and what's, you know, how are things going to change as we move forward? And one of the trends that we unearthed um, as we as we did this research was what we call the rise of the side hustle. And in that, we found that across generations, um, so women aged um, 18 to um, 65, we found that over... Um, over 30%, so, um, so excuse me, over half of women said that they have a side hustle or that they planned to start one, right? So that's just overall across all okay. age groups, 
over half of women said that they already have one or they plan to start one. Now, when you look at that by age, not surprisingly, the 18 to 25 year olds are at the highest percentage. 38% of them already have a side hustle and an additional 41% of them want to have, will be starting one. So between the, those two groups, those two, um, you know, the have one or the planning to have one, you Mm -hmm. have basically 70 or actually close to 80% of women aged 18 to 25 who, um, are going to have a side hustle. If they don't have one already, they're going to have one. Um, as you go up in the age groups, it gets a little, it gets a little bit less. So 26 to 34 year olds, um, 34% already have one, 37% plan to launch one, 35 to 44, 31%. So still one, almost one in three, um, already have a side hustle and then another 30% plan to launch one. And then 45 to 54 year olds, also 30%. Um, really? have already have one and 20 additional 22% plan to start one. Wow. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. Ama- and it's, and it's so great to see it because I think that, um, I think what it does is it gives women opportunity. It gives, yes. uh, it's, you know, in this day and age with so many layoffs happening across so many different sectors, um, what people went through with the pandemic, how many people yes. lost work. This is something that allows people to not have all their eggs in one basket. So I think, yes. I think it is a, it's a, a, probably a couple of things happening at the same time that has led us to this place where so many women have a side hustle. Um, but I do, I cannot underestimate I, how much of it is probably driven by what's happened most recently with the instability of the job market of, you know, just our lives, um, that, that women are saying, look, I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket. Correct. And so that's, I think a big part of this, this, uh, rise of the side hustle. Well, I think the young people, I, I certainly see with my children, I have a millennial and then a kind of millennial Z she's right on the, the edge and they saw what happened. They saw us give our lives to our companies and then you downsized and you're out. <laughs> you <know? Yep. laughs> see you later. <laughs> yep. And um, I think they don't want to be stuck like that. Or, you know, you had to go in every single day and sit there in the office for no reason. And they don't want to do that. They don't, they want to be more involved in their families. I think, I think they're actually healthier than we are in their approach to work. Um, And they have more opportunities to be healthier. Yeah. Um, So I think that's a good thing. So as we close, if women 40 plus want to launch a side hustle, are there any sort of key tips and tricks um, that you picked up from your research? So um, one other one other thing that we also uncovered was the increasing role of social media in in how we think about jobs and side hustles and all of that. Um, when when we asked women what role social media played in you know whether it was fi- you know doing a job search, looking for new opportunities for things that they wanted to do um, or networking or promoting something that they had already launched, uh, the role of social media is increasingly important and we saw that across generations. Um, and so I think, one thing I would say is that this 
the use of social media and it's like a great equalizer in some ways, right? Because anyone can, you know, go from nothing to building a large following if, you know, if they have content that's interesting to people right. and they, and they, and they keep at it. So I think, um, one of the things I would say is, um, these things, the side hustle and the social media seem to be linked together in terms of opportunity. And I would say, you know, probably social media and having a presence um, will just give you more opportunities, but no matter what that is. If you're somebody who's a business person and you're using LinkedIn increasingly and you're pushing out some thought leadership there, that is going to help you. Um, that is going to help you the same as if you're somebody who has an Instagram account and you're, you've decided, you know what, I want to create a line of hoodies that because with expressions that I love and you, you use social media to help you do that. So I think social media is a big part of this link to, to the side hustle. But mm -hmm. I also think that it's, um, there is a, a big part of this that is the desire that we've had, and maybe COVID was a part of this. We, we One of the other the stats that we saw in the study was just how important work-life balance is increasingly for people. And I know that we there's this long discussion about you know, what do you, you know, what is the, what is it, is work-life right. balance even a thing? Right. I think what women are telling us without, you know, without getting into the debate about what work-life balance is a thing, what women are telling us is that they care very deeply about other things in their life that are not related to the job that they do. And right. that when we ask them, what's the most important thing to you when you're looking for new job opportunities, um, I can tell you that 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 compensation was not in the top two. The top oh. two was work-life balance, right, and uh, and ease of and proximity of the work, so ease of commute. So right. those are the top three. Uh, the top two. Third was compensation, and I think what that shows is that we have um, an attitude change in terms of how we look at work. And the, and, and the job that we, you know, the jobs that we take and the way that we think about, um, about the way we want to manage our lives and probably COVID and the pandemic, because it made our mortality very, very real, yeah. um, probably pay, played a role. Um, but I do think that these are changes that are going to persist, right? I think people are trying to figure out what changes are going to stay from the pandemic and what changes are not. And I think this new approach that we all have to thinking about how do we want to spend our days and how do we want to spend our time is, is going to be increasingly important. Do you have that info from the past? I mean, can you say that? I wonder if women ever thought compensation was number one. I know men do. Yeah. <laughs> right? What, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's yeah. just like the conversation's different. Like my husband and I, he's like, well, of course you would take it because of, you know, they're going to pay you this. And I'm like, yeah, but what about all the other stuff? And it's like, doesn't matter. You know, right. it's, they they have a different um, point of view. Did did you have any historical on that before the pandemic or just since? Yeah, I actually, we actually have one that's post pandemic, but is about a year ago, a little over a year ago, probably closer to um, 16 months ago, we asked some of the same questions to get trend data. Right. And compensation has become less important in the last 16 months. But not so pre, it still not was not the most important, even uh -huh. back 
podcast 16 months ago, uh-huh. but it's people are much more certain about compensation not being that important. So it's become, it, it's just showing that even the last 16 months, women are um, are feeling like compensation is not the primary. There are other things that they're focused on. Right. Well, Aliza, incredible, incredible information. I am so glad that we had this chance to speak. Where can everybody find you and your community and can they sign up for it if they just want to, or how do you, yes, of course, how do you we screen love, or what happens? We love, um, we love new members of our community. Um, if you are over the age of 18 um, and have a valid address in the U.S., you can join at shespeaks.com. Um, and you can follow us on all of the socials. I think we're um, at She Speaks Up on all of the socials. So um, you can find us that way. And if you want to find me, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So just my, my name, Elisa Freud. Wonderful. Lisa, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative. Wonderful to catch up with you again. I love what you're doing. And thank you for investigating what's going on with women. And I'm, we've got to close this gap. I'm just so disgusted. You know, it used to be that the compensation gap was like, oh, well, these are historical things. This started a long time ago before women were in the workforce. But what it's showing you is that, no, it's sociological. Yeah. We're reestablishing yes. the same old thing because there are sociological problems um, yes. where men don't accept that women are equal to them. So, okay, we got some work to do, girlfriend. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So thank you for joining us. And I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you're inspired. I hope you're going to come up with what your side hustle will be. And I hope that Aliza's information got you thinking about what you can do. Again, it doesn't have to be a giant reinvention. Maybe it's a side hustle. And if you are serious about your side hustle, mosey on over to coveyclub.com. Check out all the great free information we have. We have downloads. We have articles. We have how-tos. We have guides all about getting your reinvention started. Again, as I said, reinvention, rethink, reorganize, reimagine, whatever you want to call it. We have the information there for you. And if you really want to have some community around you while you do this, because as I said to you, when I was doing it myself, it sucked doing it alone. You can actually join the community of wonderful women who will support you while you're doing it. We are all going through it together. And there is nothing more fabulous than learning from each other, supporting each other and helping each other. So until next time, I hope that you are on your way to a fabulous side hustle. And again, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and some stars that helps other people find us. Take care.